peace, namaste, and shalom. Everybody out there in dreamland, I am the beyond top secret Texan. Join me on my podcast, the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast, where I explore the outer limits of human abilities, top secret military technologies, the reality of extraterrestrial Earth alliances, secret space wars, advanced cryptozoology, subjects of theosophic truth, esotericism, and the occult. Beyond the Top Secret Texan Podcast. Greetings everybody out there in dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all very much for tuning in to another broadcast of Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. I am your host, Beyond Top Secret Texan, broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. It is my great pleasure and privilege to be doing so. If you would like to follow me on my social media, whether that be Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Use link tree slash beyond top secret Texan, all one word lowercase, to find links to those pages plus many more, such as my Telegram group, my merch store, as well as all my podcast links, my anchor HQ, my podpage.com slash beyond top secret Texan webpage for the podcast itself, Telegram group for chatting and sharing media as well as several other links of mine all available through linktree slash beyond top secret texan the only link you're going to need FYI Instagram is my flagship social media with my effort and my posts being focused there but I'm currently invading UFO Twitter, UAP Twitter, full force, invading with daily posts and video shares, hoping to get some traction over there for just the sake of invasion, for the sake of entering and exploring a new territory. And where... I used to not exist to assert my existence and increase my influence. So if you would like, follow me on Twitter and help by sharing my posts with your friends, whether they be in the UFO community or not. Beyond Top Secret Texan is both extremely occult and esoteric by its very fundamental nature 
but also disciplined in the ways of engineering that make these UFO realities of the phenomena possible as well not only theoretic, theoretically at the hands of some extraterrestrial intelligence some other intelligent species maybe even ultra-terrestrial having evolved on Earth but also possible within the domain of human fabrication within the human intelligence spectrum and capabilities of our abilities of our possibilities both now and the future and even the ancient past for once you understand its reality and possibility of our society as progression into the future and use a perspective to see deep time for what it truly is you can understand that not only our Western society or Western industrial society is capable of achieving such technological feats, but rather all sufficient empires of population can recruit the talent both necessary to imagine and create on paper the physics and engineering necessary to create these sci-fi otherworldly by our conventional sense of the word engineering projects but also in the physicality in reality nuts and bolts be able to turn wrenches and produce these advanced aircraft power stations etc space colonies deep underground military bases and cities um, you know what have you highly advanced weaponry um, submersive and submerged colonies and craft life support systems weaponry armor telecommunications electronics etc and in fact just that logical conclusion that just because we are not allowed to do it does not mean we cannot do it as a society today really will turn even the most skeptical person completely on their heads and realize it is only through the permission of our dark age of the soul masters based on the esoteric and the occult that we do not live up to our true potential outside of the highly secretive military caste <coughs> excuse me So today we're going to be speaking about megastructures.
megastructures simply being anything artificial and enormous, but in this case relating to space colonization, the creation of a spacefaring society, the maintenance of that empire, both in state of living and quality of living, or even as the projected future projects of interstellar colonization and the uh, evolution of a Kardashev zero society through one and two, three, four, and ultimately five with the appropriate technologies being represented as these megastructures. But also these megastructures being the calling card and qualifier for transitioning between one Kardashev scale to another. Whether that be the Kardashev 1 through 5, mainstream basic model, the Kardashev um, A through Z, Alpha through Z, scale, absolutely incredible minutia in the alphabetical model of the Kardashev scale or any other combination with it based on a society's technological and explorative instincts I will not go into too much detail because we could make this a 10 hour long episode I'm just going to summarize and list the various megastructures which we have not only designed since as a species none of these were extraterrestrial gifts but all of these were within the genius and the imagination of the engineering human being. To imagine is to complete. Because the first step of any journey, I mean, all journeys are completed with the first step. Engineering is the first step. All of these are physically possible. They're firmly rooted in reality. They are firmly rooted in the physics of the known material universe. This is advanced technology with little to do with spiritualism, the metaphysical, or other kinds of high conceptualized subjects like ESP or much of the other common associations with the UFO program in the modern world. This can be enjoyed by both engineers, skeptics, physicists, aviation engineers, as well as other nuts and bolts 
real-world-minded people, quote-unquote. It can also be appreciated for the significance that it relates that other extraterrestrial civilizations and races in dealing with their own technological progress would be able to accomplish analogs, if not these very same designs. And these designs of megastructures would be their space colonies, their first encountered cultural artifacts. As well as the futurists and humanists can feel inspired to know that mankind, if at the very least operating completely alone, which, remember, I am a secret space program survivor, Solar Warden veteran, I absolutely know that extraterrestrials are real, I know that civilizations of non-human intelligent life species exist in the Earth, other environments around the world, this world as well as others, in great number, the universe is very fertile, it is more akin to a dark forest than it is to a lifeless abyssal ocean or um, desert plain. It is absolutely teeming with life at every single um, chance there seems to be uh, uh, more life, a surplus of life than is even able to sustain in most environments. And that each one of these species will have the ability to create these, to work on these as an alliance or as an agreement. But even if those ideas are not accepted by your worldview, you can still appreciate that these are our inevitable future developments as a society and a species as we colonize our solar system, as we increase our powers as a species into the new space age. The majority of these megastructures are artificial habitats designed around terrestrial ecologies and human biology. Some exist for maximum efficiency and practicality, things we might build in a century or two or less, like the O'Neill Cylinder or Stanford Taurus, sorry, Stanford Taurus. Others, for the sheer ridiculousness of them, seem impossible now, but are not impossible, even with today's technology, material sciences, and world economies. Many of these, in sheer grandiosity and scope, do not have practical necessities for their creation, and they will be called because we can megastructures. Just for clarification later on.
Active support. And we're going to be going down these things alphabetically. Active support. Active support is a method that can be employed to build structures that no known material could support via compressive strength. While it comes in many forms, the most conceptually simple way of thinking of it as a hose. When you turn the water on and it grows stiff as the water flows through it, such the objects like the Lovestrom loop or orbital ring, it is assumed that there will be a high-speed metals moving inside magnetic confinement accelerated by applying electromagnetic shoves, quote-unquote shoves, from electromagnetic energy and contain inside a stationary sheath. This high-tech megastructure, this may be magnetically shielded structurally support with a warm temperature superconductor inside it, limiting the need to apply additional materials to keep active support intact and rigid. These objects that are created with active support can be arbitrarily strong and large. Most common shapes would include a circle or ellipse such as an orbital ring or a straight line such as an atlas pillar or a space elevator. They form the foundation of many of the megastructures we are going to be talking about. Active support is essential in the megastructures going to be mentioned called the Atlas Pillar, Lovestrom Loop, Orbital Ring, Shell Worlds, and Space Tower. The Alderson Disk. The Alderson Disk. The Alderson Disk is an immense flat planet built with a top and bottom side you could live on around a star at the center of the disk. It was first suggested by Dan Alderson, a scientist at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, who was active in sci-fi circles and talking with sci-fi writers, particularly with Larry, sorry, Larry Nevin, who wrote about so many megastructures in his books. In simple form, an Alderson disk around our own sun would be a flat plate with a hole in the middle, stretching from as close as you could get to the sun right out to the distant frozen depths of space and of such immense mass that it would dwarf the star in its center. The default Alderson disk masses roughly 3,000 solar masses, a billion Earths approximately but could be built around bigger stars or red dwarfs entirely artificial suns as well. The critical problems with building an Alderson disk are twofold. First, it takes immense strength to keep the disk from collapsing either downward into a flatter plate or inward into a sphere. Second, most of the sunlight is completely wasted going above or below the disk and what light comes down it derives from the sides. This places the entire disk, top and bottom side, in perpetual twilight, growing dimmer as the distance and air interfere. 
that results in a warm center and a frigid outer layer, virtually none of which are livable. Some suggest addressing this by bobbing the star up and down the center and above and below, and this is technically possible since the star is the smaller object and could be placed on an ultra-eccentric orbital path through the central hole. However, no plausible natural path that would produce anything like a 24-hour day. For all reasons, the Alderson disk is often considered an example of a because-we-can megastructure. To address the first problem, the disk collapsing in the absence of arbitrarily strong materials, we make use of countless orbital rings, each with a circle just a little bit wider than the last, each having an angular momentum appropriate to the orbit at that distance, keeping in mind the star's own mass is soon dwarfed by inner rings of the disk. We then place a sheath above it and below these nested rings to create the disk, separate by utilizing atlas pillars to keep the top and bottom from crunching down on each other or the orbital rings below. Care must be taken to include segment walls to prevent all the air, water, and even land from rushing to the center. These segment walls may be disguised as mountain ranges. Larger subterranean pumps may move air and water back to the places they need to be to assist in this. Additionally, by varying the mass and density of the rings to increase their own gravity, we may cancel out some of the central pull, keeping gravity pointing straight down throughout the disk. To provide power for all the active support, the inner ring inside the plate collects power from the star, and it may be an entirely built from a solar power collector. To permit a 24-hour day or seasons, we may place large statite or large or legite solar power collectors. Sorry, legite solar mirrors. To promote a 24-hour day, from the shades above and below the north and south pole of the star at distances comparable to the disk radius to reflect sunlight back down onto the planet. The wide statite disks may include wedges of reflective material and shades, or simply have titled reflective bands to cause the sun to reflect down on places for the chosen time period and strength and thus replicate a day, night, and seasonal cycle. While this structure is popular in science fiction and even in flat earth theories, it would generally be one we would deem physically possible but not practical approaching to building living areas. However, it does have the advantage of being one of the largest structures you can make that allows a continuous earth-like living area so long as you include the polar statites being bigger than even a classic Dyson sphere though smaller than a birch planet which are two things we'll get to later on the list and that is a Alderson disc or a disc world Otherwise known as a ring world. On a much smaller scale, but also equally possible today, are our Collagy Mega Towers. Envisioned to be very 
tall and wide buildings which are ecologically self-contained in whole or in part. This is typically assumed to mean towers dwarfing any modern skyscraper currently designed. Their own internal power sources and water and air processing, but also food production, make them self-contained, sustained shelters. In science fiction, these are usually seen in the dystopian settings of trash-strewn and graffiti-covered steel and concrete jungles. These might range from utopian to dystopian, big or small, and given their scope would be more likely to be an equivalent of a gated community than a slum. A space outpost with all its own internal life support in tower form would most likely be the first true total ecology, though it can also come in underground form, as it needs not be specifically tall and could be wide and even underground. The term arcology, being a combination of the words architecture and ecology, was originally meant to simply encompass any group of structures built to be ecological and self-sufficient. The giant skyscraper concept came later, but is best known, and thus we formally call these concepts arcology megatowers, as well as just arcologies and arcology design. The Ark Ship, conceptually based on the idea of Noah's Ark, is meant to be an interstellar spaceship able to carry humans and terrestrial biology to other worlds. This is usually in the form of a giant cylinder habitat with a spaceship drive and towns, gardens, farms, zoos, and natural habitats inside that habitation drum able to live there via artificial lighting and power until the ship arrives at the colony planet designated. Generally speaking, the immense amount of energy necessary for life support, even for many centuries, is still tinier than the amount of energy needed to get the ship moving at interstellar speeds or to slow it down on arrival. These are also often known as generation ships, a second-style arc ship, one containing frozen or digital samples of life forms, would generally be smaller and not qualify as a megastructure, and we often call these style of ships seed ships, generation ships, or interstellar colonization probes. The Artificial Sun Artificial suns and stars come in many forms. This could be entirely normal stars simply made by people, or one using non-normal stellar processes but made from an atypical material like pure deuterium to allow a smaller size or it could be ones with a star lifting apparatus to remove helium and mine the heavier elements to allow for life and allow refueling this can also include non-fission and non-fusion options like black holes producing power by pouring matter into them or by hawking radiation. Often in the context of megastructures though, it represents the artificial lighting in the habitat to produce sunlight for the ecology or arcology. This may include traditional electric lighting 
are mirrors bringing lighting in from an external source. Think sun simulators or solar simulators in operation today. This may be in orbit and be attached to an unlit rogue planet or dark side of a moon to produce a geocentric world or it may be vast pillars in the form of sun towers rising above the landscape. Next, asteroid colonies. Asteroid colonies are more of a location for megastructures than a megastructure themselves, but given that such minor worlds outnumber traditional planets several thousand to one, they are likely to be one of the common settings for them. The most likely megastructures in one would be a cylinder habitat built inside mined out areas or next to it and enclosed in the mining spoils to enrich it. The asteroid offers protection from space debris and attacks and possibly offers concealment and natural shelter. One special note, it is often suggested you could carve out an asteroid and spin it to live on the interior with spin gravity. In practice, your typical asteroid is a loosely bound ball of gravel and should not be spun at any rate or velocity. Instead, you would hollow it out and put a thin shell inside to buttress it and create a poor man's O'Neill cylinder habitat inside that rotating around on its own inside a stationary asteroid. Like Umamu. Larger asteroids might contain hundreds of individual cylinder habitats chained together like individual nations or later be turned into thin outer shells full of networks of cylinder habitats such as a buckyhab. Such hollow shells would likely be far wider than the original asteroid. The Atlas Pillars Named for the Titan Atlas from Greek mythology, who held up the sky itself, the Atlas Pillars is a type of active support structure to hold up the sky or repeating layer of land above it typically envisioned inside Matryoshka shell worlds were concentric shells covered in land and sea and artificially lit allow us to maximize the use of mass for generating gravity and using as living area. Atlas pillars could potentially be made of some type of unobtainium that was vastly strong and compressive strength but would most likely have an interior track in which magnetically accelerated materials ran. If technology permits, this may be magnetically shielded, superconducted, and not, necess and not ne necessitate additional coolant or power input. Alternatively, they might be built of very temperature-resistant materials and the waste energy used to heat or even light the lower levels of many layered habitats. Strong ones may also hold artificial lighting or even additional 
sleeves up the atlas pillar, like leaves on a tree. They might also have spirals around their outside to allow walking in between the layers of the habitat. This is all part of the active support and Matryoshka shell world greater design. Next one, Banks Orbital. A Banks Orbital is an enormous ring habitat. Unique for its natural day length. Named for science fiction author Ian M. Banks, who first described one in his novel, Consider Flevis, where they also have the nickname of God's Bracelet. A Banks Orbital has all the normal features of a ring or cylinder habitat, but varies in three ways. First, the required tensile strength vastly exceeds any known material. Second, it is large enough that it can have rim worlds holding the air that are shorter than its width or radius, allowing an open-air habitat. So you can fly your spaceship straight into the atmosphere and land inside the ring, like on a planet, but unlike a typical closed planet, Third, there is a unique radius and spin rate for any combination of given day length and desired gravity. A Banks orbital rotates once per day, and its orbit around a star is slightly crooked at an angle to allow the sun to shine on the insides of its far side, creating a normal length and characteristics of a day, including sunrise and twilight. Seasons can also be emulated by tilting the ring more artificially. The width of a Banks orbital is arbitrary. The width of the Banks orbital is arbitrary, but given that the purpose is to use the natural day, the ring's band width is expected to be considerable skinnier than the ring's diameter. For an Earth simulating diameter, every 48 kilometers or 30 miles of width represents an additional Earth's worth of surface area for the habitat. In the case of Earth's gravity and day length, this is 1,843,509 kilometers radius or 1.15 times that of Earth's surface. Sorry, 1.5 million miles. This is the size typically under discussion but for cases where one would need to distinguish, we might call this a Terran Banks orbital, while one seeking to emulate Martian gravity and day and night length would be a Martian Banks orbital, roughly 700,000 kilometers in radius. You might also have a Venusian or Lunar Banks orbital. The radius of such an orbital is proportioned to the desired gravity, or the square of desired day length. Thus, a Venusian or Lunar Banks orbital would need to be far larger, as their days are much longer than Earth's. Next one. The Bernal Sphere. The Bernal Sphere is one of the oldest megastructures. 
concepts have been proposed by John Desmond Bernal in 1929 and is a hollow rotational shell. They can be of any size. The material's tensile strength can permit, but, sorry. The concepts have been proposed by John Desmond Bernal in 1929 and is a hollow rotating spherical shell. They can be of any size the material's tensile strength can permit, but the original design was five miles or eight kilometers in radius. This gives it 314 square miles or 803 square kilometers of interior surface that people could live on. And he estimated himself 20 to 30,000 populations. This is essentially a pressurized sphere where a spin is at its highest at the equator and non-existent at the poles. So that is a 5 to 8 kilometer sphere with a 30,000 person population living in its center. J.R. K. O'Neill, known for the O'Neill Cylinder, also known Birch Planet. Paul Birch, who detailed such concepts of the orbital ring for active support, suggested they could be used for building massive hollow shells we might fill with matter to make artificial planets from. In this case, called Shell Worlds, where he suggested these might even be built around giant black holes. such as we may find at the center of many galaxies. While those built around normal black holes fall into our category of mega-Earths, those built around those truly enormous galactic core black holes we call a birch planet in his honor. The one in the center of our galaxy is estimated at roughly 4 million solar masses, or 1.3 trillion Earth masses, and thus a single layer shell around such a world emulating Earth's gravity would have 1.3 trillion times the surface area and the living area of that of Earth. This is considered the smaller end of birch planets as they may have many layers with 750 such layers having one quadrillion Earth's worth of living area. They may also be built around bigger black holes. You can feed nearly a trillion solar masses or an entire galaxy into a black hole before its event horizon would extend out beyond where its gravity was equal to Earth's gravity. and thus would be the maximum limit to any birch planet seeking to emulate those conditions built outside a black hole's event horizon. A is a tidal force near the black hole are minimal. We cannot rule out attempts to build down inside the horizon either, effectively removing them from our universe. 
Though in practice, frame dragging would likely prevent building a birch planet quite this size. Maximum sized birch planets contain an entire galaxy or even multiple may have many layers potentially reaching over one sextillion or a billion billion Earths worth of living area. It is one of the few megastructures best measured by how long light takes to traverse it as larger ones can measure a light year wide. The Birch Planet is the largest known megastructure allowed under known physics or conventional physics in terms of continuous inhabitable Earth-like living area. Lower levels can have time running significantly slower than on the higher levels due to relativistic distortion near the event horizon. Such habitats are essentially isolated universes in of themselves as they could consume all or nearly all of the matter in a region that is gravitationally bound consuming for eons by slowly adding in mass to the black hole to generate the power for artificial lighting of the habitat probably via sun towers. Birch planets have an enormous escape velocity being easy to reach but hard to leave and are considered by the channel to be one of the plausible fates of the earth the homeworld of any civilization that would prefer to use automated mining to bring matter home, thus mining the entire galaxy out to expand their home until it became a birch planet. A multi-layered birch planet can make the lowest level much thicker and space subsequently using layers to achieve self-gravity without the central black hole's influence. This is called a supra-self. It is the beyond top secret Texans educated opinion that the Earth, or what we know as Earth, is actually a birch planet currently harnessing the powers of a black star or sorry, a black hole that has been known commonly as the black sun or the black star and the elements just described are indeed the descriptions of the physical realities of our own earth where the subterranean world the closer you get to the event horizon is more subject to its influence as well as being both on a different time scale comparable to being in their own dimensions as well as the surface area of Earth being comparable in scale to that of Jupiter because it is not formed naturally but rather artificially. 
continuing. The Bishop Ring. The Bishop Ring is a spin gravity continent class habitat proposed by Forrest Bishop in 1997 to take advantage of the greater tensile strength of materials such as carbon nanotubes and graphene. With a proposed radius of 1,000 kilometers and a width of 500 kilometers, it would be comparable to India in size at 3 million square kilometers or 1.2 million square miles of internal land and sea. With large enough to be an open air habitat, even with rim walls and air leakage, it's all debatable at any point is served by not having the ring enclosed as a cylinder without a rim. The open air or the central cylinder alignment forms a torus. The open air format is principally an acknowledgement that it is a large enough for that to be possible with a self-sustaining atmosphere not necessarily preferable. A bishop ring 1,000 kilometers in radius would rotate every 33 minutes to produce Earth-like gravity, which might be slow enough for the motion of the stars not to be nauseating during night cycles, but this structure still requires an artificial sun for a normal day. By using mirrors or powered lighting, we would anticipate a bishop ring would have tethers running up the hub like spokes on a wheel for easier transport and possibly vacuum trains running on the outer side of the ring which rotates at 3.1 kilometers per second, a very good speed for a spaceship. Like many large spinning gravity habitats, the speed of the drum may be advantageous for saving fuel for spaceships docking or embarking. Bishop rings would be large enough to serve as a home to a billion people or serve as a nature preserve for even the largest ecologies. Black hole gravity generator. Artificially creating gravity start artificially creating black holes for their gravity or using natural occurring ones for mega-Earths often theorizes ways to power artificial worlds. As a point-like object, it avoids normal problems with material density, thus allowing even modest asteroids to have Earth-like surface gravity, many Earths, or create Earth-like gravity on truly enormous worlds such as a supramundane planet or a mega-Earth. As with any natural gravity source, the amount of surface area existing at the desired gravity is proportional to mass. Thus, a black hole four times more massive could permit four times as much surface area on the globe to, exert, to exist in Earth-like conditions. Black holes do not eliminate the need for larger amounts of matter to produce gravity. But they could be uh, they could 
allow less useful and hyperabundant materials like hydrogen and helium to be used. as opposed to carbon or iron or potentially even dark matter which makes up the supermajority of mass in the universe. While helium and hydrogen dumped into a black hole cannot be used for fusion, the power generated by dropping matter into a black hole tends to be at least an order of magnitude higher than fusion can produce thus minimizing their value as a fuel for fusion power. This is in principle with what I said earlier about Earth being a black hole powered structure. Black hole power generator. Black holes may generate power in multiple fashions, small ones typically by hawking radiation, large ones by dropping matter into them and collecting the radiation coming off them from their acceleration or orbital collision. In the accretion disks, in all cases the power produced tends to be a higher fraction of the mass energy involved and thus is considerably more efficient as a power source than even fusion. Other than the creation of the black hole, power collection is relatively low-tech. As such, black holes of various sizes may serve as everything from a power source on a large spaceship or personal space habitat to the superstellar power source of birch planets and other constructs larger than Dyson spheres. Because of their very efficient nature, they offer incredible service lifetimes, with 100 megawatt Hawking generators having a surface lifetime of 10 trillion years, and at a mass of 1.9 gigatons, able to generate comfortable gravity to a large personal habitat or building. Alternatively, drip-feeding the sun's mass into a black hole to supply power at perhaps 20% mass to energy conversion at a rate of 20 megatons per second would produce the same energy as our sun, but for 3 trillion years, hundreds of times longer than our sun's natural current estimated remaining lifetime. If micro-black holes may be formed rather than only as the byproduct of a supernova, they represent the best power source under known physics and would be expected to be a centerpiece of not only a civilization's power and infrastructure, but its literal center as a source of artificial gravity as well. In fact, black holes can be used for ship propulsion and weaponization as well as colonization. Black holes are not the anti-life locations that they are often described as. The bubble habitat, known as the bubble hab.
is one designed to float by buoyancy in an atmosphere and is essentially a large blimp. Though these may range the size of modern blimp to being continent sized. On many worlds such as Venus you may have an atmosphere whose main makeup is heavier than air on Earth, thus allowing oxygen and nitrogen to be used as a lifting gas instead of helium or hydrogen. Advanced materials may allow building materials filled with hydrogen that do not leak, even where vacuums on the inside, and thus would perpetually float and be useful lifetime, and having useful lifetimes comparable to, comparable to many building materials like wood. Bubble habs based around biotechnology might be grown instead. Looking like a buoyant coral reef or a tree, or possibly a very large parallel to a whale or a blowfish. This would be known as a void ecology and biological bubble habs known as space whales. Bucky habs and connected habitats. Bucky habs are connections of habitats to form a buckyball, forming a cage-like structure of 90 identically long cylinder habitats connecting to form a buckyball in trios of 60 hubs forming a soccer ball shape this number of halves and edges is mostly noteworthy because a buckyball is a carbon 60 atom very tied in with carbon nanotubes and graphene an early speculation of supersized habitats in practice, we would expect people desiring more living space would build larger habitats, larger cylinder habitats connecting together rather than making more. They would just make them larger, make them wider than it was deemed optimal from experience. One composed of Island 3 O'Neill cylinders would contain 90 such habitats totaling in at 145,000 square kilometers or 90,000 square miles of living area comparable to Michigan. And that's one of these O'Neill cylinders where there are 90 Michigans forming a buckyball pattern cage. Alternatively, one composed of McKendry cylinders might be double Earth's available area. As cylinder habitats are likely to often have additional non-rotating sections and other supplementary facilities as well as benefiting from non-rotating superstructures such as a bucky hab. Arrangements are ideal for shared ancillary facilities and permit a thick spherical outer skin for protection, heat radiation, and solar power collection. Such polygon arrangements would easily be platonic solids and may have additional infrastructure inside a smaller soccer ball inside a larger one for visualization connected in between by additional cylinders with shapes like the tetrahedron being four-sided a cube six-faced 
octahedron 8-faced dodecahedron 12-faced are the icosahedron, a 20-faced rhomboid. Kaplan thruster. A Kaplan thruster is a method of moving stars. Proposed by Matthew Kaplan in 2019 for using statites to concentrate solar energy and erupt solar wind in a beam out from a star, which would then pass through an enormous Bussard ramjet assembly with jets of oxygen 14 to push a star. faster rate than a traditional stuck off thruster would allow yes you can make stars move against the natural orbit or trajectory that they have making effectively a fleet of stars These star drives are known as Helios drives, Nova drives, Quasar drives, stacked off thrusters, star lifting, and supernova drives. The carbon nanotubes, or CNT, are a type of carbon allotrope that, along with buckyballs, represent materials considerably stronger than diamond that in the 1990s popularized the idea we might create megastructures relying on super tensile strength materials such as space elevators and bishop rings and McKendry cylinders. These are materials that are virtually impossible to tear apart no matter how hard you pull them and how much tension you place on them under and along with graphene. Oh, sorry. No matter how much force you try to pull on them, or how much tension you place them under, and along with graphene, become commonly referenced as the foundation material for all megastructures. For this reason, they are ubiquitous in discussions of megastructures and many other sci-fi futurist topics essential for bishop rings, graphene, McKendry cylinders, and space elevators. Next is chain worlds. A chain world is an example of linking several hoop worlds or other torus-shaped habitats into a long chain-like arrangement, potentially wrapping around a star. This is limited utility, but would allow airplanes to fly directly between all those connected worlds as their atmospheres would intermingle. Airborne seeds or avians might also be able to traverse between the hoops, though overlapping. The hoops atmospheres would be likely to generate powerful perpetual storms at intersections while the ground above and below is, so to speak, rotating past calmly. Next are chandelier cities. The concept of a and relies on the idea 
That tensile strength is every bit as reliable as compressive strength so that hanging buildings down from large orbital rings around a world allows upside-down chandelier-like cities suspended from that ring. These might be common features on gas giants, ice giants, or thick atmosphere super-Earths, and any other world where living on the surface was not viable. Through our technology works on any world, including Earth and airless planetoids, such as the moon. Next is Clark Tech. is not a megastructure, but is often defined as a feature many proposed megastructures fall into, requiring special proportions, exceptional tasks like wormhole networks, etc. The name is derived from Arthur C. Clarke's famous quote that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic and is the name for various technologies that folks have suggested would not seem possible under current known physics and can include seemingly impossible strong materials or other types of quote-unquote unobtainium necessary to create lighter systems like perpetual motion and space elevators, which he designed along with satellites conceptually. Next one is Cubed World. Cube worlds in general classify examples of because we can megastructures. Construction will require heavy use of atlas pillars or other active support, and gravity would have the highest in the middle of each of the six faces and the lowest at the edges of the eight corners, furthest from the center of the cube world. Gravity would also aim at the center rather than perpendicular to the surface. Though strategic variation in density throughout the cube, with some rippling on the surface creating natural mountain ranges. And that will minimize the discrepancy of down not being in line with your head and feet, but rather with the direction of the plane you're in. As with other flat worlds using normal gravity, there would be a tendency to bulge the air and water towards a spherical shape which can be counteracted with enough effort to maintain its cube shape. Many other shapes such as dodecahedrons or buckyballs would allow similar rules and limitations on design as the cube world, as the cube design is arbitrary. Cylinder Habitat Cylinder habitats are expected to be the megastructure types in which the bulk of humanity lives in the future. If humans remain a dominant species and seek to emulate these designs, cylinder habitats operate on two critical principles. First, that gravity can be mimicked by rotation using the same centrifugal force effect that washing machine spin cycles use. Second, that it takes far less mass to build a cylinder or ring habitat than an equal amount of natural gravitating surface area on a planet. Generally, many hundreds of thousands of times more living area per unit of construction material. So that would, that would be like Mars So what would that be like? That would be like if Mars would be disassembled and the surface area to be to grant us a hundred thousand 
Earth's worth of living area instead of the fraction of Earth that it currently has. For a detailed explanation. And it kind of goes into breaking down the math in that definition. But basically, that's how you get the maximized amount of a limited amount of area. While cylinder habitats rotate freely in space, it is most likely to either be a part of a larger complex of space infrastructure networks like a colony trade system, are paired with a twin cylinder or several more bucky hab configurations for support. A cylinder habitat is likely to be inside a slightly wider non-spinning or slowly spinning outer cylinder to provide shielding or inside an asteroid with other facilities in disguise. We expect them to be make up the bulk of residential habitats and nature preserves in space as well as be a common feature of any spaceship with humans on board and on long travel, such as interstellar arc ships. In such cases, we often call the cylinder portion of that ship the habitation drum. You can nest multiple habitation drums inside each other or give a drum multiple levels to increase its surface area in terms of diameter is controlled by the available matter in terms of tensile strength. Where conventional steel or titanium can allow a cylinder that's several kilometers wide and graphene might allow one over a thousand kilometers wide known as a McKendry cylinder at that point unobtainium of these metamaterials or active support may be used to craft even wider habitats there is no maximum length to a cylinder habitat very long ones are known as there is no known limit to the length maximum length known as topophiluses topopoluses a Kardashev two civilization of humans seeking to maximize O'Neill cylinders around a star would require roughly a quadrillion such cylinders each home to potentially hundreds of thousands of individuals Next one is Dark Sky Station. On a smaller side of the megastructures, in terms of mass, JP Aerospace's Dark Sky Station is an enormous starfish-shaped buoyant buoyant platform, potential kilometers across, that would sit 43 kilometers in the air and be a midway changeover point between ground to station and station to space traffic. These may see heavy usages on other types of planets with thicker atmospheres, also known as a sky city. Next on the list is Discworld. Because we can make structures and practice a disk world rotating like a spinning coin in the orbit of a star is not a particularly bad use of mass or gravity compared to a typical shell world. While you get slightly less surface area per unit of mass at a sphere and a difference of extreme temperature difference between the poles, thus a disk world might be considerable optimal for those seeking to create a uniform climate and ecology.
It is only likely to be built by civilizations that already have so many artificial worlds of more efficient types that such a specialized world might be probable anyway, such as a world of many shallow seas and snaky coastal areas for a beach resort, or one given entirely to one specific ecosystem and apex organism, like a planet built principally for preserving a large-scale blue whale population or a rainforest. Disc worlds have limits to how big they can be and spin on axis to simulated day and night. They must have non-uniform radial mass distribution at the air and ground and not tilted to the center. The next is Dyson Sphere. While originally proposed by Freeman Dyson as a swarm of orbiting bodies around a star, the concept has stuck in the popular imagination as a hollow shell around a star that people live inside. With a inner area roughly a billion times that of Earth. In the absence of some sort of artificial gravity, there would be no gravity on the surface of such a shell and those inside would fall into the sun followed by the shell itself unless made of impossibly strong and rigid material so too there is no nighttime inside such a sphere which must be wider than earth's orbit for the sun to avoid all those inside burning to death from the endless daytime for this reason the dyson swarm is considered better however a dyson shell is possibly with some variations First, the inside could be a large solar collector and people could live on the outside with artificial lighting as an example of a mega-Earth, or in this case, a giga-Earth. Second, in a ring-shaped slice, a Dyson sphere made up of super-rigid material could spin around the star to produce artificial spin gravity, and this is the concept of a Niven ring world. To be discussed later, a collection of many of these rings tilted at different angles could produce a quasi-Dyson shell or a ring-Dyson sphere. It is all possible to create a very wide ring or a bridge sphere with the caps off, which would have lower gravity at higher latitudes than at the equator and leave the poles off in favor of rim walls and possibly having statite solar mirrors or power collectors at the polar regions. This would still require incredibly strong materials beyond anything permitted under known physics except for those of the active support similar to what we use as constructing a Nevin ring world. Such a partial sphere could be much made wilder, uh, wider sorry that could be made wider if the polar caps reflect sunlight down into the main sphere and results in the same total living area of 2 billion earths approximately day and night shading could be accomplished as with a ring world with the inner mirrors and sun collectors acting as shades the next one is a Dyson spike. It's like a Dyson sphere where a rigid shell has been placed around a star using obtanium with air. So the surface is dimpled with billions of cylinder habitats that generate spin gravity inside each of them. This setup can also work if the shell is a statite principally for power generation, but to which a smaller portion is given over to living areas such as homes for the people living in conjunction with the project as well as environments for their life support. 
the Nicole Dyson beam platform often has external spikes which allow better radiative cooling for the Dyson shell. So that's basically a Dyson sphere with cylinder ring work, a cylinder O'Neill cylinders outside of the surface of the Dyson sphere. Next one is Dyson Swarm. Dyson Swarm. A large collection of orbiting bodies in a cloud or swarm around a star rather than a rigid shell. However, the idea of a hollow shell around a star with people living inside if it has been popularized as a Dyson sphere. A Dyson swarm is the term we use to speak to Dyson's original idea rather than the hollow shell. Such a swarm could be composed of any single type of megastructure. That we, the most Dyson swarm civilizations, also known as Kardashev II civilizations, would use a large collection of many different types of space stations and structures. In this regard, a Dyson swarm is considered a megastructure in the same way a city is considered a building, which is to say Dyson swarms of things composed of many megastructures. It is usually assumed that civilizations will trend towards building Dyson swarms around every star eventually, though in practice many civilizations might disassemble stars in favor of using them to power fusion reactors or black hole power generators. Nonetheless, spherical packaging of habitats together into immense swarms or clouds that were outwardly identical to Dyson swarms would still be expected as it proves and provides for minimal travel times and communication lag, as discussed in the second episode known as the Dyson Dilemma. Next one is Ecumenopolis. Ecumenopolis and Ecumenopolis is a city which covers an entire planet. This presumably would include dwarf planets, super-Earths, and moons as well. While usually assumed to turn an entire planet into one vast sea of concrete and steel, in practice, this is likely to be a world with many vertical levels and acronomies in practice. The main restriction on population is expected to be heat dissipation, such as, our, such as the episodes of Humanopolis and Can We Have a Trillion People Earth? An atmosphere. An atmosphere or an edder bubble is a balloon-like megastructure, typically of a gas giant size range. Unlike most active support Super Monday worlds, the atmosphere uses the pressure of the gas as it compresses to resist the gravity of the gas pulling on the membrane above it. People living on the surface shell, which can be covered in a thin terrain, allowing a world potentially many hundreds of times larger than Earth in living area to be made artificially. The shell is likely to be of thick steel or other strong metals, not rubber or anything flexible are thin, as at that scale almost any material will be flexible enough to act as a membrane. 
it is likely that such a shell world would still include active support or active support from the beginning of this podcast installations such as orbital rings or atlas pillars that could be turned on in an emergency conserving power when ideal which could work in tandem with a pressurized gas to allow a wider range of artificial worlds that an edible alone might allow fusion candles a fusion candle is an enormous fusion drive placed in an orbit of a gas giant designed to suck hydrogen deuterium and helium out of the atmosphere run it through a fusion reaction and use the energy released to send out two superheated rocket jets in opposite directions up and down. The lower levitates the platform while the higher goes into space and shoves the gas giant. By this method, you can move a gas giant to a different location or move one closer into a system to warm its moons for terraforming. is a material whose tensile strength opened the door to serious consideration of building rotating habitat megastructures far larger than O'Neill cylinders. They have many useful properties detailed in other projects. And it's a way of creating a material out of a common substance, graphite, that in many ways has higher strength than titanium or diamond and acts as a superconductor as well as superior thermal shielding. Grav plating Grav plating is a catch-all term for any technology that can be used in the floor of a spaceship or space station to produce artificial gravity without rotation. It is usually assumed to operate via unknown scientific principles in a science fiction setting. In practice, the only known way to produce grav plating under known physics would be to create many charged micro black holes and arrange them inside a floor in a hexagonal pattern. The Hammer Habitation Known as the Hammer Hab the hammer hab, also called a bolo hab, 
is a spin gravity habitat where minimal living space is needed so that living beings are supported itself suspended from a long tether that is swung in a circle usually around a larger ship itself in microgravity. It can also be paired to a twin with no hub, or you may have many such habitat modules, living quarters, being spun around a central axis. This could also be used as a space dock, as ships collect on a tether from a central hub, resembling a Ferris wheel. The Helios Drive The Helios Drive is a variation of the Stackdorf thruster that incorporates star-lifting technology to move stars and can accelerate faster than a shackdoff thruster by achieve a slower maximum velocity. Faster on the acceleration, but slower in maximum speed. Because it uses accelerated plasma as a drive. By turning mirrors towards a star instead of reflecting its light in a single direction, like the Shaktoff thruster does, we can cause a stream of hot matter to come off that star, like a rocket's flame. This technique works well for moving dangerously large stars, which might go supernova out of a colonized solar system or region of space, as it takes far less time to get that star moving at interstellar speeds and also reduces the mass of that star, potentially extending its lifetime and prolonging the supernova. A variation of this using Bassard ramjets to fuse the plasma as it comes off that star to provide more thrust is called a Kaplan thruster. This is in the star lifting and fleet of stars concepts. This is within that world. Hoop world. A hoop world is a donut shaped planet that classifies as a because we can megastructure. It would be expected to have highly variable gravity over its surface as the matter inside the loop will pull most on the outside equator or equator and less on the inside equator where the other side of the hoops gravity pulls in the opposite direction and at an angle at least on the pole lines 
as our world has no conventional north or south poles. Storms on this planet, due to their high rate of rotation and varying gravity, would likely be extreme. The default hoop world of Earth-like conditions is 11 times the surface area of the Earth itself. All these designs maximize and increase the livable surface areas with the same amount of material that Earth currently has. The Hydro Shell A Hydro Shell is a megastructure designed with the intent of maximizing the use of water to generate gravity as one of the most abundant materials in the universe while simultaneously using it for aquatic environments. A hydro shell is hollow like most shell worlds but lacks a black hole or neutron star at the core. simply allowing the water itself to generate gravity with its own mass. As a result, the lowest layer of the shell itself has virtually no gravity, while the top layer has the most and pressure rises very slowly from the depths. Hydro shells can be constructed to produce many thousands of times the normal marine living space as a planet with the same overall mass. Part of the shell world concept. Interstellar black hole highways as black holes represent a very good point of acceleration and slingshot spaceships to interstellar speeds, naturally occurring ones may commonly be used as hubs for interstellar travel, including as turning points for ships wishing to save fuel. As such, there may be long lines of traffic moving on lines between the various black holes in our galaxy, forming a highway network. Additionally, black holes make excellent power plants for powering enormous lasers to serve as pushing beams to accelerate or decelerate spaceships. Speaking of which, interstellar laser highways interstellar laser highways bounce laser beams off the back of large mirrors allowing solar sails to be far smaller and high powered than relying on simple sunlight from proximate stars and may be generated anywhere you can make power, such as a gas giant or an asteroid. With this in mind, any civilization with fusion or a black hole power generator has the option 
of setting up long relays of laser beaming stations between stars to circumvent the, the rocket equation and allow rapid and far more economical interstellar transportation at a high fraction of light speed and without the problems of attempting to keep stall lasers systems or nickel Dyson beams focused over billions of kilometers or even more. This can be large array of space stations stretching between any two stars or an entire galactic highway system, either receiving pushes from many such arrays pointing many such distances, like a central hub, or having many such solo stations directing like many such roads. This technique may also be adapted for intergalactic travel, though it is not thought to possible to achieve ship velocity with a Lorentz factor much above 100. 100. Time moves at 100th its normal speed for those on board relativistic to the people on the planet they would leave behind. As the blue shift of even cosmic microwave energy would represent too strong a drag force on the ship itself. The Jenkins Swarm known as a Dyson Swarm, the Jenkins Configuration. A Jenkins Swarm configuration is designed to produce a Dyson Swarm around a star as a wide torus or donut, which might be part of a larger swarm of donuts tilted at different angles. This is believed to allow more stable orbits than the basic Dyson Swarm configuration currently allows. Next is Kalpana 1. Named in honor for astronaut Kalpana Chalwa, who died on the space shuttle Columbia, Kalpana 1 is a cylinder habitat on the small side of megastructures taking advantage of the idea that spin gravity to avoid nausea probably be limited to more than two rotations per minute. Only structures in excess of 250 meters radius can be spun at 2 RPM or less and still produce artificial gravity. And so Kapana is 250 meters in radius and 325 meters long. With roughly half of a square kilometer of surface area inside, almost exactly one billionth of the surface area of Earth, and thus 
what we sometimes call a nano-Earth habitat. In contrast to our mega-Earth projects. However, with a mass of roughly 7 megatons, you would be able to construct roughly 850,000 billion such habitats out of Earth's own mass. 850,000 times the living area currently of our Earth. The idea that cylinder habitats are vastly more efficient ways to get living area than a traditional spherical planet. persist in such projects. The Kipping Terrascope. The Terrascope is a concept for taking advantage of the refraction of planetary atmospheres to use them as enormous lenses for a small telescope in orbit of a planet to act as a far more powerful telescope Developed as a concept by exoplanet astronomer David Kipping in 2019, it is believed it would allow a telescope as small as one meter across to see exoplanets in sufficient detail to detect land masses and mountain ranges. Such telescopes can also serve to enhance signal detection and would also function around larger worlds such as gas giants. Next is lagites. Lagites are a variation of statites and normal orbital mechanics which were suggested by Isaac Author in 2016. Just so you guys think that this is ancient history or the future of an obsolete past. Rather, it is the modern theorizing of physicists and astrophysicists, engineers, from mechanical to, you know, theoretical, material engineers, etc. But in the modern mindset looking into our future. There's a play on the terms lagging satellite and Lagrange point. A lagite uses either light pressure or solar wind on a wide, thin satellite to obtain a normal orbit or emulate Lagrange point orbits. non-Keplerian orbit by using a combination of inertia, gravity, light pressure, or solar wind to create normally impossible orbit paths as well as false Lagrange points. As with statite and quasites, this requires a much thinner satellite than normal 
but not necessarily as paper thin as a typical satellite. They can be particularly useful for keeping beaming mirrors in position around planets where the gravity of the planet can be used to keep a beaming mirror focused into interstellar space. The Lofstrom Loop A Lofstrom Loop or Launch Loop proposed by Keith Lofstrom in 1981 utilizes active support to suspend a 2,000-kilometer-long runway high in the atmosphere to serve as a launch point for a spaceship. The metal track running inside the loop by active support can also provide the energy to the ship as it accelerates, which in turn is accelerated by power generated by conventional or nuclear power plants on the ground or on naval vessels. A Lofstrom loop may be lowered or raised to avoid bad weather and is believed to be constructible. With known technology of our current day for perhaps as little as $30 billion and a launch cost of just $3,000 per ton sent into high orbit. It is a very parallel technology to the larger orbital ring but does not allow as much acceleration. Mag matter. Mag matter is a hypothetical material that may be possible to create if magnetic monopoles exist and if so would potentially allow the construction of megastructures whose tensile strength requirements surpassed even graphene. Mag matter is a hypothetical form of exotic matter which is made up of extremely small atom-like particles, which themselves are made up of a number of different types of topological vacuum defects known as monopoles. Mag matter is expected to have a strength of a trillion, trillion, trillion that's trillion to the third power or trillion cubed times higher than conventional matter 
and a density many trillions of trillions of times higher than any normal metal. For this reason, we expect magmatter, once invented, to ascend mankind into a Kardashev 2 ability. It is also assumed to have a melting point hotter than the core of the hottest star. And a whipcord of it could be cut through any known material easier than any direct energy. It is usually assumed it would be formed as mega atoms into bucky tubes, much as with carbon nanotubes. It is a ultra material. Next is the Matryoshka brain. A Mortruska brain represents both a specific structure and a general concept of a computer or computers built to run on the output of an entire star. The Mortruska portion, named for the famous nested Russian dolls, runs on the idea that successive layers of a stellar engine, each further from the star, can be used to radiate waste heat of the prior layer to run more processing. Stars themselves are not radiating fusion power directly, but rather are incredibly hot from absorbing all the fusion byproducts at the core and glow as a result giving off sunlight rather than gamma radiation. One might place processing layers at each halving of temperature where the next layer is positioned to absorb the black body radiation of the prior layer and re-emit it at a wavelength corresponding to half the temperature of the prior layer, resulting in roughly 10 layers between the typical star's first layer and where the ambient radiation inside a galaxy would result in diminishing returns from additional layers. As colder computation is more efficient, a Matryoshka brain can also act as a stellar engine to move a star. It has been proposed the Matryoshka brains would tend to migrate to the galactic rim or intergalactic space itself. A Matryoshka brain, though, is also a bit of a blanket term for any computer running on star levels of power and can generally be expected to be many billions of times more powerful than any modern computer even if no further improvements in processing per unit of energy occurred in the future. 
As such, it is believed to be powerful enough to emulate entire universes. And the uploaded minds of the inhabitants of that universe, if every single planet was terraformed to current Earth-like conditions and populations. Motrashka Shell World. The Motrashka Shell World and the Motrashka concept family deals with one problem common to shell worlds. They use immense amounts of mass to create gravity compared to cylinder or ring habitats. those using hypothetical artificial gravity even. Two methods for handling this are to generate the gravity with far more abundant materials such as ocean water, hydrogen and helium, or even dark matter. The other method is to construct many nested shell worlds, rising one over the other. To share the mass below for gravity, which can be maintained by the same level, including the mass of each additional layer, to generate gravity on the one above it, too. Spacing and support may be maintained with the Atlas Pillar system. However, you must bring in artificial lighting, and you cannot support many layers before heat dissipation becomes a problem. This is considered one of the more probable eventual fates of Earth. A multi-layered planet can make the lowest level much thicker and space subsequent layers accordingly. To achieve self-gravity without the central black hole and is called a supra-self. A McKendry cylinder. McKendry cylinders suggested by Tom McKendry in 2000 represent the adaptation of an island three O'Neill cylinder to use graphene instead of steel for the cylinder allowing for one that is 300 kilometers long the default version is 5 million square miles or 13 million square kilometers as big as Russia or Antarctica and larger than Europe or Australia, qualifying them as a continent class, a continent class megastructure. What's more, a McKendry cylinder is wide enough to allow multiple nested cylinders. Inside, so long as cooling is used to handle heat issues with artificial lighting, allowing McKendry cylinders to roughly match entire planets in living area. Megatelescope arrays. 
One of the limitations of telescopes is the Earth itself, as air and gravity deform mirrors and limit their size. Space-based telescopes avoid these issues and potentially allow tinfoil-thin mirrors the size of planets to be created, able to see distant worlds in as much detail as current ones can see our own moon or neighboring planets. In addition, telescope arrays may be built in the Oort cloud, allowing thousands of times the distances that Earth's own orbit around the sun grants us for resolving objects and parallax issues. Using these methods, we may be able to pick up ETI radio signals even from other galaxies. Many Earths. An alternative, an alternative to building worlds bigger than Earth is to go smaller. And since the amount of mass needed to produce Earth-like gravity on the surface of a sphere is proportional to the surface area of the sphere, the implied economics for mass would at least seem to indicate that there's no difference between making one world a thousand times the size of Earth, a thousand shell worlds the size of Earth, are a million worlds a thousandth of the size of Earth. Assuming micro black holes, the mass of a modest moon can be created, and it is likely far easier to make orbital rings which are smaller than a planet, and so small spheres for miniature planets might turn out to be a preference. There are some difficulties making sure your atmosphere stays on such a mini planet, but a thin glass or transparent aluminum shell around a world would ensure your atmosphere is contained. But it would turn your system into a closed system, be easier to engineer than the world itself. As to the minimum size, hypothetically nothing prevents one smaller than a modest town. These need not be spherical either, as disks or other geometries become more appealing when contrasted to a sphere that is sharply curving at these scales. Mushroom Habitats Mushroom Habitat is a concept developed for colonizing planets like Mercury, where an airless Catonian world has rich sunlight and structures would need a large reflective umbrella shade to be placed over the habitat during day, which itself stands above the ground on top of a thermally insulated stilts resembling a mushroom. This allows the habitat to remain cool, even on worlds like Mercury. The umbrella may also be used for power collection. The habitat may also include spin gravity features to allow for higher gravity of the world has, if it has lower surface gravity. 
A mushroom habitat may also be used in orbit of a star to keep a cylinder habitat protected from heat and radiation. It could also be used on the Earth's moon as well as other moons. Our early Mars terraforming. Multitasking the mushroom cap could be solar collectors allowing for a self-sustaining and a larger, wider area than the colony itself would provide. Killing two birds with one stone. Life support and power collection. In orbit, they are called orbiting or orbital mushroom habitats. They are known as parabolic habitats and roticity habitats as well. The Neptunian Chainsaw. The Neptunian Chainsaw arises from the need and importance to excavate the atmosphere and noble gases as well as rare gases from gas giants, gas planets, such as Neptune or Saturn, as well as the need to terraform airless worlds, or maybe even hostile worlds, effectively scooping out these gases with excavator buckets ringed on an orbital ring this structure would literally work as a chainsaw to the atmosphere of Neptune Next is the Nikol Dyson Beams. The Nikol Dyson Beam is a variant of a classic Dyson Swarm suggested by James Nichol as converting a solar system's worth of energy into a focused laser. converting a star into one massive laser platform. There's a number of methods for doing this, including the Stelaser, and it's a capacity of any Dyson sphere that it should be able to direct a large portion of its harvested power into a focused beam. But the specific Nicol Dyson beam is essentially a Death Star version of a weapon only physically larger. It should be noted that even our sun's entire power output hitting Earth would still take roughly a week to vaporize the entire planet 
those around larger stars might be able to do fire beams able to annihilate planets in mere moments. But its peacetime use is assumed to be pushing spaceships up to relativistic light speeds, though it is likely its military use would be accelerating many relativistic kill missiles or RKMs into other galaxies. This process would, of course, take some weeks to arrive in a single moment rather than a beam hitting a planet directly. Next is Nova Drive or Supernova Drives. Nova Drives, along with their big brother, the Supernova Drive, are methods of moving dead stars such as white dwarves by delivering a stream of hydrogen to them to cause a small nova event. This is a parallel technology to the Orion Drive which propels a ship with nuclear bombs. Only vastly bigger and is part of the fleet of stars concept. Next, O'Neill Cylinders the O'Neill Cylinder, originally known as the Island 3 designed by Gerard K. O'Neill, is perhaps the most famous megastructure ever designed. It is a cylinder habitat usually given as 5 miles or 8 kilometers wide and 20 miles or 32 kilometers long. And this O'Neill cylinder could house hundreds of thousands or serve as a nature preserve for endangered ecosystems protected by the vacuum of space. From invasive species or contamination when colonizing. They were probably the most discussed megastructures on it in history. The O'Neill Cylinder, with everything from concept art to real patents existing. Orbital plates. Orbital plates are a type of megastructure parallel to a sky city that we would anticipate if anti-gravity was invented where a large domed island might be floated as a spaceport above the landscape. Possibly even ones the size of continents, able to float above the world. In practice, this can be achieved through various active support technologies or through conventional orbiting habitat that's plate-shaped, using grav plating, the same materials also used for creating disk worlds such as carbon nanotubes and graphene. If a dense enough material can be found such as stabilized neutronium, they have appeared in a variety of science fiction works over the years, 
But the name comes... from the Warhammer 40k setting where the orbital plates are common around hive and industrialized worlds. Orbital rings. The orbital ring is another technology often discussed in science fiction for its utility both as a space launch option and as the literal backbone of many enormous megastructures such as shell worlds. A type of active support structure proposed by Paul Birch, the most basic orbital ring, is a simple wire wrapped in orbit in a circle above the equator of a planet. Outside of this is a thin tube called the sheath, which also circles the planet and contains electromagnets. We then power run power through the rings and shove the inner wire up to the higher than normal orbital speeds while slowing the outer sheath by default we will stop the sheath when its speed has reached the same rotational rate as earth causing the outer sheath to remain stationary relative to earth like a geostationary satellite, but potentially mere tens of kilometers above the surface of the world, rather than tens of thousands. Orbital rings may then drop a tether down to Earth, one requiring vastly less strength. than a conventional space elevator would need. These may also be stretched out at angles to service stations around the orbital ring. Using these as guy wires allows the ring to be tilted off the equator to service different latitudes and counter its tendency to precess. This allows travel to space for dollars per kilogram, and the track may then be used like a Lofstrom loop to launch spaceships without rocket fuel, only to be considerably higher speeds than the Lofstrom loop will allow. Orbital rings may be built as ellipses, as well, and the world is likely to have many orbital rings at different distances from the surface, possibly connected to higher rings by tethers to the next lower ring. They allow hypersonic travel between cities on Earth with minimal cost, potentially allowing millions of people to travel to space every day and home that same night with normal, modern commuting times and costs. They may be used in tandem with space elevators and Atlas Towers. Orbital rings of a much higher radius can be built in layers with tethers between them to serve as a ladder to deep space, what we'll call an orbital ladder, not to be confused with Jacob's Ladder, 
which along with an orbital tower and a beanstalk are alternative names for space elevator options. The orbital ladder, as an alternative to classic space elevator technology of tethers between orbital rings, has the advantage of requiring less tensile strength. This may be built arbitrarily big and may be upped at different angles, forming a spherical shell known as a shell world. The Paperclip Maximizer A paperclip maximizer is a popular thought experiment and example of artificial intelligence run amok. The notion being that an automated paperclip factory told to maximize its production of paperclips may seek to cannibalize all available resources including the planet it is on and the people on it into paperclips. This can follow many unexpected paths and has been the subject of much debate. The popular idea is basically that any automated machinery tasked with a simple enough goal may run amok if left unchecked or unrestricted. Simple self-replicators told to reproduce themselves are known as gray goo in scenarios. Reference to an assumed sea of gray metal, terraforming machinery set to loose on the, gal- on the galaxy is often feared to devour entire worlds, turning themselves into copies of Earth or entire endless cylinder habitats as another example of a Van Neumann probe running amok or a colonizer ship sometimes called the green fly. Given the megastructures are often assumed to need a vast amount of automated constructors, there is a regular concern of such machinery producing one of these scenarios. The parabolic habitat. The parabolic habitat is the answer to the question that arises that hopefully survive on sunlight alone and a parabolic habitat is a method for extending that goal. They were designed in tandem with the mushroom habitat concept. Earth typically receives an order of several hundred watts of power per second on the surface area throughout the daytime and any surface colony out near Saturn would need a hundred times the sun gathering surface concentrated to a point to achieve on earth like condition however as only very thin films are needed to reflect light it is not difficult To construct a parabolic dish hundreds of times larger than a given habitat or asteroid. 
to focus light down in that habitat or into a smaller mirror and then bounces that light into the habitat. The dish itself is likely to rotate to maintain its shape by spin. Solar power collectors can also be made to function in relatively deep space by using cheap and light reflecting dishes to focus light on a solar panel or solar thermal generator. By default, we would expect a cylinder habitat with a parabolic dish beyond it, resembling an umbrella or mushroom with a skinny stalk being the O'Neill cylinder. But it could also be a large dish. Utilizing statite, lagite, and quasite concepts. This can even be adapted to a large, self-gravitating body such as planets or moons by using a mix of radiative pressure and orbital mechanics to hang one at a Lagrange point or a quasi-Lagrange point. Such mirrors and dishes can also be used for cooling planets or melting ice worlds as well as powering transport, including by focusing light on a section of a comet to cause an eruption of superheated steam from it to serve as a natural rocket engine. This would be a way of diverting a comet. The Planet Brain The planet brains, including examples like Jupiter Brain, are a blanket term for a computer the size of a planet, such as Earth itself in Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It is assumed such machines either run minds so immense as to be nearly godlike, or seeking answers to the most fundamental questions, such as the case with Earth in the Douglas Adams series, to which the answer was classically 42. Planet Chips Planet Chips are artificial worlds intended to serve as immense interstellar or intergalactic colony ships. This is typically intended around an entirely artificial world where a arc ship is deemed insufficient to the goals which might be maintaining civilizations and ecologies beyond our understanding. These planet ships would be capable of a multi-million year intergalactic colonization efforts. Though similar techniques would be used for moving an existing planet like Earth to another solar system. However, artificial worlds such as a shell world full of fusion or black hole fuel can be built to allow for better acceleration and deceleration and for fueling as well as shielding from interstellar radiation and dust collapse. The Planet Swarm The Planet Swarm is a younger brother of a Dyson Swarm and that is a large swarm of habitats and megastructures around a planet rather than a star. Cislunar space and even beyond the moon to Earth's hill sphere is hundreds of times wider than the Earth. The cross section for solar power collection and heat dissipation is more 
than a hundred thousand times that of the planets. And thus, while an ecumenopolist would hold several trillion people, a planet swarm may hold a quintillion people. In conjunction with a Terran ring, which it might from the crown stone of a planet sto- or a planet swarm might contain more people than most hypothetical sci-fi galactic empires do, and may well be where the majority of humanity lives even if we have already colonized an entire solar system, and thousands of nearby such solar systems. Planetary Cycler, or the Aldrin Cycler. Known as the Aldrin Cycler for Buzz Aldrin, who proposed for an Earth-Mars Cycler, these are large spaceships, stations, or potentially megastructures, habitats, that move on a very elliptical orbit passing near two planets over a long time. They themselves do not orbit these planets or pause at them. Rather, smaller vessels dock inside them as they approach that planet or disembark from them as as they're in their flight. As they need only the original fuel to get them into that orbit and some for the station keeping. They can afford more massive vessels protecting themselves from radiation, offering life support with a multitude of systems of redundancy, and can also offer better living conditions for the long voyages between worlds or even between stars. These cyclers are what is commonly referred to as a flying aircraft carrier, but could be designed as a flying luxury liner. Power Beamers Running an advanced civilization requires immense power, and that may require moving power millions or even billions of kilometers from generator or collector to the user. Power beaming systems can come in many forms by the default version it is likely to be is a huge solar array that converts sunlight into microwave energy which can then be transmitted in large solar array or from the large solar array into a tight beam or a receipt or rectina receiver. Fundamentally How far you can keep a beam tight is based on the size of the emitter. And the ability to gather a beam as it spreads out is based on the size of the receiver. So we may see some truly massive beaming and receiving facilities able to move power across entire star systems or arms of the galaxy. The Quasar Driver The Quasar Driver is a scaled-up black hole drive capable of moving entire planets or entire galaxies as the ultimate engine for moving. Huge objects being both faster than a Stockdorf thruster to accelerate stellar objects 
and more efficient, allowing faster final speeds. The Quasar driver takes a charged black hole, artificial or natural, builds a structure around it to attach it magnetically, and injects matter into it to produce power production, as is typical for a large-scale black hole power generator. This is then used to run a drive able to achieve a decent fraction of light speed. The name Quasar Driver is derived from the quasars, a super bright objects which are typically thousands of times brighter than entire galaxies as a result of matter falling into the black holes in the centers of many galaxies. Used carefully, a quasar drive on a supermassive black hole in the center of a galaxy can move that galaxy, especially if used in tandem with many other drives throughout the galaxy, gravitationally dragging that galaxy along, which may permit a sufficiently advanced civilization to counteract Hubble expansion in a large region of space, such as galactic superclusters. Planet ships using quasar drives represent a plausible approach to intergalactic colonization of even galaxies more than a billion light years away. This is all part of the fleet of stars. Discipline our thought theories, our thought experiments. Quasite. A quasite is a variation of a statite suggested by David Kipping in a 2019 as a possible techno-signature for hunting extraterrestrial intelligence. In the form of a statite that had become dirty or damaged and thus was orbiting in a non-Kiplorian fashion, quasites can also be intentionally made to create satellites that remain with a planet when not normally permissible by orbital mechanics. See the Cool Worlds episode. Red Globular Clusters The Red Globular Cluster or Red Globular Cluster Array is an example of an artificially optimized galaxy based on the idea that stars of roughly one quarter our sun's mass can fuse all their hydrogen over trillions of years and thus becoming blue dwarves and thus are the most efficient star. The notion developed by Isaac Arthur and Steve Bowers is that a civilization would only need to work to only allow stars of that mass to form and may use stellar engineering to crowd them into tight spaces so that the entire area was bathed in sunlight at a level comfortable for life. A Dyson swarm composed of as much as a trillion such stars might be home to trillions of trillions of people for trillions of years but condensed into a volume only several light years across not hundreds of thousands allowing a single civilization with no more time lag 
between most distant elements between the neighboring stars and a natural galaxy. Eventually, the dying stars themselves, as blue dwarfs cooling trillions of years from now, can be shepherded into black holes or birch planets or other post-stellar megastructures. And an artificially optimized galaxy theoretically called Orion's Arm. The Relativistic Kill Missile. Relativistic Kill Missiles, or RKMs, weaponize the mass energy of objects moving at relativistic speeds, where they might carry hundreds of times more damage potential than a nuclear weapon of the same mass. They have advantage over beam weapons in that they move at nearly light speed, but can have computers and guidance systems, AI for example, on board potentially, and can be slowly charged up, creating unpredictable flight paths. In this way, something like a nickel Dyson beam which might be powering a planet can instead put a week's worth of energy into accelerating several RKMs which may be time to arrive simultaneously and instantly blow up a planet ribbon worlds ribbon worlds are variations of ring and cylinder worlds Habitats that base their size around the minimum gravity required for their purposes. Confined only by what's comfortable for normal human beings and terrestrial ecology. And as such can be far bigger than conventional 1G habitats using the same construction materials These may be common as an outer ring around planets where they would work as spaceports and launch systems and secondary conventional rotating habitats may be attached to them in stationary positions like beads on a bracelet where those other habitats might serve as the various homes and life support systems. Ribbon worlds might also be commonly used for space farms, where lower gravity is probably sufficient for plants and economics prefers cheaper and weaker hulls and non-manned operations. Civilizations adapted to lower gravity might prefer ribbon worlds as primary habitats. During interstellar travels, the largest ring habitats would likely always be ribbon worlds. A ribbon world built around the Earth and Moon system, out past the Moon's L2 point, for example, 
where a lunar space elevator may reach one day would allow spacecrafts to run on the outside of the ribbon at 1G of turning acceleration and launch at 66 kilometers or 41 miles 41 miles per second. This is part of the greater discussion cylinder habitat and ring habitat and space elevator concepts. Ring habitat. Ring habitats work on the same principle as cylinder habitats by using centrifugal force to simulate gravity called spin gravity. A ring habitat, however, generally uses a wide, thin ring, which requires a stronger tensile strength than a cylinder habitat of the same surface area, and thus is assumed to be used where a wider radius is necessary. In the case of small habitat, habitats, we expect rings as the living area of many spaceships where the goal is to produce a relatively small living area with a minimal rotation rate as many RPMs can cause nausea. On large habitats such as the Niven ring world, the goal is to be as far from the sun as the earth distance and for a bank's orbital to produce a wide skinny ring that distributes sunlight. Ring World The Ring World first appears in Larry Niven's science fiction novel Ring World as his suggested title suggests Sorry about that the translation is taking a little bit longer on this part of the list. It's a suggested alternative classic to the Dyson Sphere by taking an equatorial slice of such a sphere around a star and rotating it to produce spin gravity instead. That results in a ring roughly the radius of Earth's orbit around that star. The typical design calls for a giant rim wall around the edge to keep air from spilling out. Taller than any mountain range, potentially a thousand miles tall, but still dwarfed by the width of the ring world, which may be arbitrarily wide, but in Nevin's classic is a million, is a million miles wide giving the ring world three million times the living area of Earth. One built six times wider would have roughly one percent of the living area imagined by a classic Dyson sphere and a hundred such objects turned at different angles around their star could enclose one to effectively serve as a Dyson sphere. Nevin ring worlds are normally assumed to be constructible only with metamaterials such as magna material or magna matter. This book's case, the virtually indestructible material scrith in the science fiction novel Ring World serves the same purpose. However, we can work around this for both ring worlds and Banks orbitals by use of active support 
as previously mentioned. This is done by having a second slower turning and far more massive ring just behind the habitat, habitation ring in which it spins inside, pushing off the heavy outer ring to keep from being torn apart. For further explanation of this technique, it is a study of centrifugal force and artificial magnetism. Sorry, artificial spin gravity. Sorry, having to wait for the translation. Roticity or bowl habitat. The ro the roticity, roticity, the roticity, or bowl habitat. The roticity is often called a bowl hab. Is typically envisioned as a habitat built inside a crater or artificial well on a low gravity world, and spun to combine the natural local gravity and the spin gravity achieved by rotating the bowl shape. In practice, if the gravity of the world or the moon in question is not at least half of what the desired gravity is, the bowl shape will be much steeper, like an urn, approaching a more classic cylinder habitat. It can also be a wide ring with the floor angled steeply relative to the ground and naturally down. These may see use on Mars or even the moon. See also cylinder habitat. The rung world. A rung world is a cousin of the ring world, and that can be constructed around a star using only conventional materials. In it, we place two tethers in a circular orbit around a star, one above the other. Between these, we place classical cylinder habitats so that they appear like rungs on a ladder, the ladder itself being twisted into a circle around the star. These habitats might be O'Neill cylinders or the more gargantuan McKendry cylinders. Much as several ring worlds, each tilted at a different angle, may enclose a star, many rung worlds may be built by slightly different angles and diameters to enclose a star. So too, empty space between rungs can be filled with solar panels or ancillary equipment. A, a topopolis may also be substituted for the tethers between habitats. Additionally, a rung world may skip the materials and create a mesh format or even the more three-dimensional formats of a bucky hab. Shell world. Shell worlds are an attempt to save on construction. Mass by building a thin, rigid shell akin to the crust of a planet and filling the middle with a more abundant source of mass such as hydrogen, helium, or dark matter. Such a shell is usually assumed to be made rigid with either metamaterials or by using active support techniques like orbital rings though can be manipulated by a mixture of gravity, surface tension, and gas pressure, like the etosphere, which is essentially a big balloon. Most often, we imagine millions of orbital rings formed into a spherical shell and covered with a shell and land and sea above. 
and below a gas giant or even a stellar remnant such as a white dwarf, neutron star, or a black hole. In particular, black holes of substellar mass are a popular approach to allow shell worlds of any given size, bigger or smaller than Earth, but with the same gravity as Earth on the surface. These can vary in size from a modest park to something measured in light years, such as a birch planet, and additional layers may be built as a concentric spherical shells. Like a Metrioska shell world to create a mega Earth. A stacked off thruster. S-H-K-A-D-O-V. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. A stacked-off thruster. A stacked-off thruster is a type of stellar engine designed for using a star's own power to move it by surrounding the star with mirrors or statites which reflect light in one direction. With this method, stars can be slowly accelerated up to a small fraction of light speed. Bigger stars accelerate faster as they have a higher brightness to mass ratio, whereas small dwarfs can attain higher ultimate speeds as they burn a larger percentage of fuel. All versions are slow though, and because of the acceleration time, it is a relatively minor difference in effort to move them across a galaxy or even between galaxies compared to simply moving them a few systems over. Sky cities. Sky cities or cloud cities are examples of floating cities that hang in the air via buoyancy or aerodynamic lift as opposed to anti-gravity approaches such as orbital plates. These might be individual homes, cities, floating space launch facilities like the Dark Sky Station or even continent-sized affairs on worlds like Venus. Materials able to hold hydrogen or helium better than modern materials such as graphene may make these options vastly more economic and safe. By and large, these structures are necessarily big when based on buoyancy. One example is the Cloud 9 sphere, which takes advantage of how geodesic shapes grow. Stronger as they get bigger to use larger buoyant balloons in buckyball form, essentially a habitat that's shaped like a soccer ball. Skyhooks. A skyhook is also known as a rotavator. It is a tether that hangs from orbital heights to a lower height for spaceships to connect. Two, in order to save launch fuel, 
They come in both stationary and rotating forms and are a parallel concept to a space elevator relying on tensile strength. A skyhook loses momentum when giving it up to a larger ship, but if larger, it can slowly regenerate momentum between hookings by options like solar-powered electrodynamic tethering. Skyhooks are a launch asset technology typically designed to be incorporated in tandem with either hypersonic space planes, Lofstrom loops, or mass drivers. The Smoke Ring in Larry Nevin's 1987 novel The Smoke Ring we encounter a naturally occurring gas cloud surrounding a star in its habitable Goldilocks zone. As a wide torus of breathable air with a native ecology, this may also be constructed as a megastructure, in which case it would have a living volume comparable to a Dyson Swarm and specifically a Jenkins configuration. This concept also arises in Peter Hamilton's Commonwealth Saga, where we see entire islands floating through this immense star-encompassing atmosphere, or Atmo Taurus. We could conceive a civilization with either artificial gravity or the capability to manufacture such micro-black holes and mini-Earths, filling such a Taurus with an asteroid belt of islands whose gravity would keep the air in that Taurus rather than dispersing to interstellar space or we might see a vast transparent hollow donut in which the ring was contained. Solar Mirrors Solar mirrors are a method for directing large amounts of light onto a planet, power collector, or megastructure that take advantage of incredible thinness of reflective materials compared to thickness of habitation and power. Megastructures and planets in general. A single micron thick sheet of metal polished to reflect like aluminum foil might double the light coming in on a megastructure habitat at a millionth of the mass of that habitat. In this way, smaller asteroids, which number in the hundreds of thousands, can be converted into a shade able to significantly alter a planet's temperature, such as warming Mars for its terraforming. And indeed, a statite Dyson shell around a star would generally only need the mass of a modest-sized moon. Solar mirrors are also instrumental in stellasers and power-beaming technologies for powering worlds or driving spaceships. See also solar shades which would block sunlight to cool worlds. Solar shades are a parallel concept to solar mirrors. 
allowing planets to be cooled or giving them artificially different day length cycles while making use of simple and cheap technologies. Any material that can be woven thin allows for shades weighing only a tiny fraction of any material that the typical megastructures would consider using, even when of gargantuan size. While these can be employed as a single large shade, it is quite possible to use smaller ones together instead. Additionally, in some cases it may be considered preferable to use inflated spheres rather than flat sheets such as filling a L1 Lagrange point with many balloons shading to bounce around its metastable regions are floating mirror-topped balloons in an upper atmosphere to shade the area below, rather than placing them in orbits or a Lagrange point or various statite points and legate orbits. They can be used to terraform hot planets such as Venus. Sombrero planets. This variation of a flat Earth megastructure is an attempt to manage the difficulty of gravity on a disk pointing towards the center. The disk, but always remaining flat, would take the shape of the Mexican hat, the sombrero. By making the disk wider and containing more mass near the center, with the ends being far walls and the center being a high tower. This is the concept in the disc world discourse. Space elevators. Space elevators can be either long tethers hanging from space relying on tensile strength or huge space towers reaching into orbits relying on compressive strength but tensile strength versions are more commonly discussed in modern times, typically expected to be made of carbon nanotubes or graphene and anchored in stationary orbit. Because a mechanical climber can be used or can use electricity on the cables and travel up and down the cable at the cost for ascent to orbit is almost trivial on an order of dollars per kilogram taken to orbit. A space, a space elevator typically would run to above geostationary orbit where a ship leaving there would be able to exit at interplanetary speeds as the elevator's end tip is moving faster than orbital speed at that point. They are most easily built at the equator, but if a material is strong enough, tethers may extend up from the north and south poles to meet at geostationary orbits. And several elevators tethered to the top of a single station can be placed around the Earth. In terms of proportion 
virtually all of the tether is in orbit above Earth's atmosphere. A break in the atmosphere would most likely cause a slow outward spiraling tether that could be reconnected and the lower end to, fail, to fall on the ground like an electric cable from a tower possibly slowed by parachutes. Space Farming Space farms are a blanket term for any structure principally devoted to agriculture in space on the grounds that it may be cheaper to farm industrial amounts of produce and lower gravitational, higher direct sunlight habitats constructed cheaper and thinner than manned space stations and likely operated through hydroponics and robotics with only a thin soil layer full of plants tended to by automated drones. Space farms are an option for worlds such as ecumenopolises that require food for trillions. The planet will require less energy and waste less heat than growing in space wood. We would also expect them to be ancillary for most space habitats, as well as megastructures and terraformed planets before the planet is able to produce its own food. Leaving the primary habitat zone free for other purposes, such as residences. Indeed, these may also be used to supplement local wildlife or to allow exotic tourist affairs, providing life-sustaining habitats and ecologies where needed. They're essentially stellar space squirrel and bird feeders. The space farm itself might be attached to a smaller but more sturdily built habitat ring for workers or livestock or both. Space farms are likely to be one of the most common if unglamorous megastructures to be produced. With ideas such as vertical farming, subterranean farming, and oceanic farming in the same discipline. Spin gravity. Spin gravity is the nickname for how centrifugal force inside a spinning structure in a cylinder habit, habitat or a washing machine simulates gravity for most practical purposes. Typically, the larger the spinning structure in terms of diameter, the better the simulation. Spin gravity relies on the premise that Einstein's assumptions for general relativity are correct, that acceleration and gravity are effectively the same. It is also the reason why people on the space station feel no gravity as their constant 
acceleration around Earth is precisely countering the gravity of Earth below. Space Tower. Space towers, also called space fountains, utilize active support to keep impossibly tall structures erect, those able to exist above an atmosphere and even up to geostationary orbits. Technology, they function on the same principle as Atlas pillars. One of the greatest values is what they can be used to make not simply as colossal skyscrapers on their own. Though given that such a space tower might have millions of floors and square footage equal to an entire continent, a space tower built for habitation can be a world on its own right and home to entire civilizations. Stanford Taurus with the possible exception of the O'Neill Cylinder, there is no more popular recognizable space habitat than the Stanford Taurus, a 10 megaton donut, 1.8 kilometers or 1.1 miles across. This diameter was chosen to be a well inside material limits of steel and what is required for Earth-like 1G gravity at one rotation per minute. The inner side of the Taurus is clear to allow light to be reflected in and has a view of the hub which is connected by spokes to the torus and the hub is where the ships would dock at. Secondary mirrors around the hub direct sunlight through the habitat to mimic a 24-hour day-night cycle. It was designed as a comfortable home for roughly 10,000 people, though likely mostly habitat megastructures, it is assumed to have a number of additional facilities, engineering stations, and purposes, including space farms. Star lifting. Star lifting is a technology that seeks to mine the stars themselves by magnetically drawing in elements from the upper regions of a star, often by also stimulating more solar wind or flares or coronal discharge. Our sun is mostly hydrogen and helium, but contains vastly more heavy elements than all of the planets in our solar system combined, with roughly 30,000 Earths worth of metals. Star lifting apparatus is itself a megastructure but also allows the construction of entire Dyson swarms of habitats without needing to disassemble the planets in a star system. It also allows the colonization of stars lacking in planets. Furthermore, it allows the removal of helium from stars to prolong their lifetime as well as lowering of stellar mass to extend the star's lifetime or prevent it from going supernova. The forms, the backbone of some star-moving technologies such as the Nova Thruster or Helios Drive. Statite. Statites are the brainchild of Robert Forward, who suggested the name in 1993 as a mix of static and satellite. A statite is able to hang directly above a star, rather than cycling it or circling it. 
in orbit, thus makes the radiant pressure of sunlight to allow a very thin material to orbit the sun, to hover in place by balancing the amount of force of the gravity of the light. The statite must be carefully balanced in terms of its cross-section density or float further away or fall closer and thus would likely include something in its cross-section and tilt to allow it to engage in station-keeping like a solar sail. The critical factor of a statite function is the surface of cross-section density, how thick the statite is, and that this will generally be the order of tinfoil. As the strength of light and gravity both fall off inverse to the square square of the distance so the strength of light, square of the distance of the sun, a statite of given surface density functions regardless of its distance from its star. However, it would not function around any star with a different brightness than which it's constructed. These unique mass to light ratios make statites unique and are far easier to make function around more massive stars which are far brighter than those around less massive dwarf stars, as stars vary by up to a factor of 100 in mass, but more than a billion in brightness. For the range and variations of these can also use magnetics to deflect solar wind ions as an alternative to sunlight or in combination with them. So too the use of focused sunlight from solar mirrors or beams can be used to allow heavier statites to be constructed. The Stellar Pinwheel Much as a reflective pinwheel can orbit inside a vacuum propelled by sunlight bouncing on it, a larger solar collector formed as a statite could spin like a pinwheel driven by light or solar wind or both to regenerate power. One hanging above the pole of a star could bounce the light back down into that star, causing it to be reabsorbed and re-emitted. Such devices might be used with some versions of star lifting. Stellaser. The stellaser is both a specific concept created by using enormous mirrors inside a star's corona to create a massive laser and a blanket term for any enormous laser powered by the sun. The stellaser is a brainchild of Steve Nixon, who proposed it by his means of using a material in a star's corona to serve as a lasing medium. Large, thin, simple mirrors are deployed near a star using a spin to keep them rigid and possibly as close to a star as they can be without melting. Light from a stellar body bounces between the two mirrors through the star's thin corona to generate a laser in the normal method. Such a beam can be both enormously powerful and possess a huge focal point, making it ideal for propelling light sail craft. The term has come a catch-all on the channel for any type of powerful lasers running near
a star and drawing power directly from it, including a conventional one using solar panels. The original concept was discussed in more detail in papers known as Colonizing the Sun. Spaceships using laser propulsion would be able to reach relativistic speed and could be slowed at their destination by lasers as well in the opposite direction, which might be deployed ahead of an arriving colonization fleet as a solar sail approaching from conventional radiant pressure before entering an orbit and forming the laser to slow the main fleet as discussed and paperwork considered Exodus fleet. They represent a possible keystone of interstellar colonization and trade for advanced Kardashev scale societies. The potential value for terraforming our planetary power supplies is also enormous. Sun Tower. There are a number of ways we can move large amounts of energy to a planet and a number of reasons why, but most will generate huge amounts of heat in the atmosphere. A sun tower is one such way of getting around this. If we were seeking to alter a planet's day length by building super towers on a planet above the main atmosphere with reflective mirrors at the top that a light beam could be put on, in this way, like a water wheel, a planet would have a flow of light placed on these towers as it turned the speed or slow planetary rotations. Similar methods could be used to push a planet closer or further from its sun or to adjust axial tilt. It is also possible to mount a rocket engine, presumably a fusion or ion drive, on top of such towers to avoid atmospheric heating or to mount magnets against which a beam of particles can be directed. Sun towers is also used for very tall towers with either mirror or artificial lightings acting as are keeping layers of habitat artificially structured in subterranean worlds or in shell worlds lit. In some cases, such as vertical reefs for lighting marine habitats in the bottom of the ocean, these might be referred to as sun towers themselves, even though they are submarine, or I guess submarine, I guess uh, underwater, under oceanic. Not just towers that go into the atmosphere, but also any towers that provide sufficient light by capturing uh, sunlight through the use of mirrors. Sun towers. So. Supra mundane world. Megastructures where typically an existing planet, such as a gas giant, exist but wrapped with orbital rings or ribbons or enclosed inside a shell to form a mega earth but one dozens or even hundreds of times bigger Saturn, for instance, has the right mass and density that if enclosed in a shell just above 
its atmosphere, it would make for a planet surface 95 times that of Earth's with a surface gravity equal to Earth. Let me read that again. If Saturn were enclosed in these rings or shells, it would make for a planet with 95 times the surface area that of Earth, but equal to the same surface gravity around. Super mundane worlds can have micro black holes powering them or white dwarves, or be built around gas giants, or even brown dwarf stars, which may be leached of their hydrogen and deuterium to provide power via fusion reactors. Larger ones must be egg-shaped and have their poles wider than their equator to ensure relative uniform gravity if you are spinning the planet once every 24 hours so that centrifugal force at the equator is neutralized by the slightly higher gravity of being above a narrower equator. There are many challenges to building such worlds. Tehran ring. In terms of fuel, the orbital path of Earth represents the easiest region of space to traverse outside of cislunar space, but it is also possible that the ring or torus swept by Earth's orbit of the Sun could be densely populated and the first developed region of our solar system. It is potentially economically viable to have food production for Earth and its planet swarm. In such a ring so that a very dense population could be housed on Earth and in Earth orbit. Indeed, actual tethers could be maintained between habitats and other megastructures. In such a ring to allow rapid cable car transport entirely around this torus, which rotates and it circumvents the sun. This may develop alongside or eventually into a rung world. Such cables, if strong enough, could link directly to Earth via various space towers or orbital ring arrangements like a chain Topopolis. Every object, no matter how large to us, no matter how rigid or dense to us, if long enough, compared to its diameter, becomes a flexible rope that you can tie into knots. Even a solid steel beam as thick as a human, if long enough, will have the flexibility of a rope. The Topopolis takes this a step further and produces one immensely long cylinder habitat. 
that's thousands or even millions of times longer than it is wide, which can wrap around an entire star, or in theory between two stars, or even two galaxies. In this way, the Topopolis can potentially rival Dyson Swarms or even Birch Planets in size, forming a supra-self for living area and requires no advanced technology to either create, construct, or maintain. By default, a Topopolis can be pictured as a long, skinny cylinder with riveting down the center of it, with local areas wrapped up around it potentially stretching billions of kilometers. Oceans worth of water would appear as narrow creeks that stretch the entire length, forming uniform coastlines. Long as solar systems. The width may be comparable to an O'Neill cylinder or a McKendry cylinder. Or whatever your technology of your society permits. Valley House. Valley houses are where very large craters on airless or low gravity thin aired worlds are glassed over to create a habitable area. Parallel to domed cities in concept. To be megastructures, these would cover valleys parallel or larger than Earth's Grand Canyon and are theorized as being perfect for Noctis Liberanthus on Mars. World House A world house is where para-terraforming of domes on a planet such as Mars have encompassed the entire world inside a massive greenhouse or perhaps in even a single crystal sphere placed around it to keep an atmosphere intact. This may be an early state of a planet during classic terraforming, or it may be a permanent modification for low gravity or to lower escape velocity moons, as well as importing an exotic atmosphere required for a species existence wormhole wormholes are a hypothetical object for circumventing the speed of light that would likely be a vital megastructure if they are possible to build 
Wormholes and wormhole networks represent a possible Clark Tech solution to the interstellar travel paradox that would supersede interstellar black hole highways in terms of efficiency with interstellar laser highways in terms of speed. See our episode on wormholes specifically for the Stargate network connection. This is all part of the warp drive hyperspace and other hypothetical faster than light models of society. And that is the A to Z listing of megastructures and exotic interstellar colonizing technologies that exist in the world of science fiction literature and in the world of academic physics, engineering, and other, I guess you'll call it, um, purely material and mainstream, conventional futurism with its roots in hard science. These are not the fantastic fantasies often associated with impossible science fiction merely to create the plots that rival magic in terms of seemingly impossible plots, you know, or at least impossible contrivances, creations, but rather the highly realistic and nigh-inevitable predictions of the engineers who are actively, and astrophysicists who are actively creating these megastructures. And I firmly agree on their importance to be both learned and researched to the fullest by anyone hoping to understand the UFO phenomenon. For surely, without even going down the road of the Astar High Command and Galactic Federation of Light, one would necessarily be curious as to the interstellar colonization realities, the processes, and the technology necessary to support the UFO phenomenon as it is powered and piloted by extraterrestrial intelligences. And no doubt a society that is capable of maintaining such active travel between two planets or two solar systems or two stars is advanced on the Kardashev scale higher than we and no doubt would have either analogous creations helping out their efforts or be able to create these efforts and in fact be able to bring them here in terms of telling us that technology disclosing it forward or even in terms of creating these artificial biomes colonies at, if you were not only in earth but in earth orbits or in the orbit of the sun or various planets in our solar system this is the ufology that beyond top secret Texan delves in. 
the ufology of advanced technologies, of reversed technologies, and of future technologies. I also explore deep black projects, military technologies of the military industrial complex, from the world of espionage to aviation warfare, naval technologies, naval warfare operations, as well as efforts to uh, fortify and secure by building underwater bases, colonies, uh, underwater cities, submarine cities, etc. Into the future, I'll be talking about that, as well as our efforts to colonize space, the construction and history of our lunar colonies, Mars colonies, as well as our colonies across the solar system and Solar Warden's relationship with their construction. I will also be speaking about um, the potential future that is currently already being built of the 21st century and which megastructures we are currently already constructing, have already constructed in many cases, and will inevitably, heavily, influence our future, not only as a surviving species, but as a real everyday existence for millions and to billions of human beings, just like you and I. So thank you very much. Remember to peruse the archive of past episodes, catch up. Definitely there's a lot of diamonds in the rough and there's a lot of gold there for the wise man to mine. There's no need for an alchemical transformation here. The treasures are for everyone. Thank you all very much. Follow me through my social media. Flagship is Instagram. But all of that can be found on Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Text in all one word. Catch my videos on TikTok, YouTube, or Instagram. But I'm also posting on Twitter currently as well. You can catch me on all the major podcast distribution networks. I'm also currently now on Audible. New for the channel jumped on Audible, jumped on Amazon Music, uploaded my content, uploaded my podcast, claimed it all. <laughs> RSS feed. Working fine through Audible, Amazon Music, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, all that good shit. Thank you all very much. You can also catch me on my website, podpage.com slash beyondtopsecrettexan for each one of these episodes available to the public for free. So thank you all very much. God bless you. Peace out.